this is the frustration is that you can't look at a process or a system and think it exists in isolation. It's simply words on a paper, right? It's simply a software. It's, it's something that exists, but it only exists to the extent that it's interacted with, right? And so if that person who's interacting with it isn't taken into, into account, what are you doing? Like <laughs> the system's not, not the end goal. The pursuit of, of excellence is something we're all striving towards. I want you to focus on what you do best. You need to have an approval. How many approvals? What are the steps? It's really about listening. If it's not documented, it's, it's not done. Thanks for tuning into In Systems We Trust, the show where we dive into all things systems and processes and hear from the professionals that are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Today, I'm talking with Jessica Steed Brown. Jessica is a talent and business advisor based in Whitby, Ontario. After a decade of consulting with professional services firms, Jessica made the jump into the industry where she now practices what she preaches as the director of talent at the global creative design firm, Yabu Pushelberg. Jessica continues advising select clients through her private practice, JSB Human Capital Consulting. Her passion is bringing humanity into business creating cultures where staff and leaders interact authentically through trust, transparency, and an appreciation for both personal and professional value. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Pumped, ready to go. I'm good. I'm glad. Ready to go. Good. I love your backdrop, by the way, your office, your home office is... On point, right? Yes, it really is. Good for you. <laughs> no um, so... background here. What's that? I don't have to use the fake screen background. No, it's perfect. Yeah, no, no green screen for you. So you're, you're currently the, the director of talent at Yabu Pushelberg. You know, what industry would you say that you fall into? And, um, you know, what does your organization really do? Yeah. So Yabu Pushelberg is an interior design firm. Uh, historically, it's been around 40 years this year, which is pretty impressive. And in recent years has expanded to be a multidisciplinary, full service creative agency. So from the front end creative branding, um, you know, through the narrative and right through to um, construction, but also taking into account things like lighting, decorative arts, um, industrial design, we have multiple collections. So, so that has been a true transformation in recent years for Yabu Pushelberg to move to that integrated um, integrated organization. Okay. And how long have you been there? Like, how, how did you get your start into that? Do you have a, do you have a background in, in design and creative or did you, yeah. How, um, how that all happened? Yeah. When I, uh, when I was starting here and, and talking to Yabu Pushelberg, I mean, I came home and, and my husband looked at me like I was crazy thinking like, somebody's going to hire you in a design firm. <laughs> you can't even trust yourself. So no, that's not my background. So I spent, uh, 10 years consulting, over 10 years consulting in professional services across many industries. And, uh, you know, I had hit a point where I was looking for a career change. And uh, I met with a mentor over drinks who asked me, you know, be, be specific. What, what are you looking to do? Where do you want to be? And I had been consulting in the area of organization and people. So a lot of HR stuff, but also a lot of org design, culture, um, transformation work. And I've worked across public sector, banking, financial services, startups, technology across the gambit. And what excited me most was organizations that were in a transformation stage 
and also working with uh, companies where people are the asset. And so as I was describing this to her, I was saying, you know, I don't want to work for a factory or, um, you know, in public services because it, that's very sort of process driven and, and it's all about your inputs. Whereas I want to be somewhere where the people, the intellect, the creativity is your input, is your product is your profit center. So um, that's much more complex. So things like I, she asked me to give examples and I said, you know, whether it's an engineering firm or a law firm or a creative agency, um, I had been working with a, an engineering firm at the time, you know, something like that. And um, maybe a week or two later, it was as though there was a recruiter sitting at the table next to us taking notes because I got a message through LinkedIn with an opportunity that, that generally, like <laughs> you, you talk about manifestation and manifesting your opportunities, but um, they had talked about in their me initial message using almost verbatim the words that I had used and were referring obviously to Yabu Pushelberg uh, without naming them at the time. And so I met with their managing uh, partner at the time and uh, we chatted over coffee in a, in a hotel lobby for over an hour about what was going on, etc. And he shared with me that they were recruiting an HR manager. Um, but when we talked more about their challenges, it really was a, an executive transformation role they were looking for. They were looking for someone to, to really spearhead some culture change in, in the organization and be leaders in, um, in an industry that really <laughs> is known for long hours, is known for, for pushing their people. Uh, they wanted to, and I quote, water the flowers. So um, that's how I got involved. So I joined there last July as a director of talent. Okay, congrats. Yeah, it seems like you were definitely, um, you know, in the right place at the right time. And you talked about, you know, that manifestation. I mean, like, um, definitely seems like you're in the right place. You know, you talked about being passionate um, and, you know, realizing that people are the assets. Can you tell me more about that? Like, you, you just went over your background, but when did you really start to understand and believe that that was your passion, you know, in, in, in organizational structure? in, you know, working with people as assets, you know, when did that all really start to become evident in your life? And, you know, when did you really decide to, you know, um, or how did you decide to really jump into that um, headlong? Yeah, um, that's, that's a good question. And it's, it's an evolution over 10 years. Uh, truth be told, I went to university for finance, uh, business and economics. And uh, when I was graduating my undergrad, I didn't know what I wanted to do. A lot of my peers in my program were going into being, you know, bankers and all these things. And I had done really well in the finance courses and in economics. Um, and I spoke to a mentor, a professor, and I said, you know, what do I do? I, like, I don't have any career aspirations. And, and the best advice I got is he said, Jessica, you're too black and white. You're too... Um, you're too linear, you're, you're too much of a, of a linear thinker. And, you know, things are right or wrong, black or white, and that's not the reality of the world. He said, I really think that you should take um, some softer courses around organizational behavior and things like that to understand that, you know, if you go into business with that firm, and I was a little bit rough around the edges, truth be told. <laughs> so it was good advice. He said, grow up a little bit. And he suggested I do uh, my master's of industrial relations and human resources. So I did do that. I ended up in that program, uh, spent two years and, and just blossomed, like took negotiations, labor relations, a lot of um, HR courses around organizational behavior. And you started to, I started to lean away from the, the math and the formulas and more into, wow, you know, there is two sides to every story. And there is this idea of labor versus management. Um, 
So that was my first foray into thinking about people. And then when I got into consulting, I think I did a lot of more compensation consulting, you know, a lot of clear cut projects. And as I, as I matured, as I, you know, progressed in my career, um, doing process improvement is one thing where you are, it's, it's a, it's a system that is very predictable, right? You, you pull this lever, X happens, then Y happens, then Z happens. When I started to work more in organizational reviews that were more culture specific or more leadership oriented, I started to see that my framework, my methodology that I was applying was a little more complex in that if, if I change X, Y might change, but I'm also influencing all these other aspects in the ecosystem, right? <laughs> I don't know if that's too vague, but, but once I started um, doing these org reviews and, and talking about root, root cause analysis and where my root cause analysis, you know, the findings were very intangible, very people oriented. So that means the solutions were people oriented. And because I also had the HR background, it, it really set me up to talk about succession planning, leadership development, culture, trust, transparency, communication, um, all those softer, more intangible things. So probably, you know, in recent years, within the last five years, I really uh, started diving into that. Okay. Um, definitely want to talk more about your consulting here, you know, kind of figure out what, what a typical week looks like for you. But, you know, just hearing, you know, you, you speak, you're so knowledgeable and you have so much experience in, in this area. Um, when you are consulting, you know, um, the, the kinds of clients that you're attracting or that you're working with, you know, what does it typically look like at the at the start of an engagement? And, and who are you, you know, working with? Because as, as we know, with process improvement, especially when you're coming into an organization to, you know, assess where they're at and you're making some recommendations, you're looking at the outliers, you're looking at the variants, right? There are a lot of things that, you know, we as consultants um, or as systems-minded people think is the solution this is what it has to be. And a lot of times it involves disrupting what that organization is already doing. So how do you win um, your clients over through consulting? How do you get them to, how do you gain that trust? How do you walk them through your, your systems or um, process improvement um, plan? And, and how do you really work with them? Or do you just say, hey, I'm moving in. You hired me for a reason. This is how it has to be. W what does that look like? Yeah. Um, so I really approached Yetwa Pushelberg as a consulting engagement as well. It was the only thing I'd ever known, right? This was my first time in industry. It was, okay, I, I know how to solve problems. And so when I start any engagement, it's really about listening. And so, um, you know, I have a solid methodology that, that does talk about um, really engaging at all levels of the organization. And um, when clients come to me, including YP, there's usually a real issue a core issue, something that is so, so impactful to their business that they're now willing to raise their hand and say, okay, I've tried everything else because I'm not their first call, right? Everyone tries to fix it themselves. And they, you know, they institute a policy, they change a rule, they hire a different person thinking that it's, it's the person, right? They do all these solutions and, and come up with the same problems. And the way I explain it is that your problem, you're addressing the, the symptoms and you look at your problem as though it's the root cause, it's the problem, but it's not, it's a symptom. 
And so we need to peel back the layers and understand what is the true root cause of this symptom. And normally when I do start to talk to someone at the beginning of an engagement and they say, okay, my issue is high turnover or my issue is you know, um, lack of accountability in the organization, whatever it is, they will inevitably have a whole bunch of a second tier of complaints <laughs> saying, this is the focus, this is what I'm focused on right now, but I'm also challenged with recruitment, retention, like all these other things, right? And a lot of times all these problems or challenges stem from the same root cause. So after doing a number of these, uh, these assignments, talking to everyone, interviewing, sending surveys, whatever it is, gathering all the information to understand the nuances of the organization, it can usually boil down the root cause to two or three things. And once I frame it that way, it becomes a little less insurmountable for the client. The client's like, oh, I only have three problems? I thought I had 20. <laughs> And, and those like, and those two to three problems, like that you said are core mm -hmm. issues, are those the same across organizations in general? Or do you mean that you typically take all of their larger problems and, you know, you know, reduce it down to, to two or three? That's a good question. I feel like you, you need to ask me that in another five to 10 years. I don't know if I'm confident enough to say, I will say that, um, yeah, there's, when, when the symptoms are similar and we're talking about a similar area of problem, uh, role clarity comes up 120%. People really overestimate um, how clear expectations are across the board, top to bottom. And a lot of times it's just a misunderstanding, not having clear expectations. Um, second is communication. Communication is always a factor whether it's not having governance and, and you know, tools and policies and processes, which to me is a form of communication, or not having that transparency and trust, that psychological safety, you know, something around communication normally comes up. Um, and then sometimes there's something around leadership, strategy, governance, you know, sort of the, 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 the light at the end of the tunnel. Are we, are we all on the same journey? Is your boat pointed in a direction? And does everybody know what direction that is? Uh, that can also cause trouble. So um, normally it's something along those lines. Okay. Yeah. And, and when we had chatted, you know, a couple of weeks ago, kind of offline, you, you had told me about um, there being this, this spreadsheet that you had created for, for resource management. Um, would you be able to tell me more about that? You know, what was the pain point that really triggered the need for this? And, you know, uh, am I correct in saying that you're, you're, you're currently using that at Yabu Pushelberg? Yeah, so we're talking about resourcing. <laughs> that, that is uh, the one system uh, we are currently addressing in like 16 different ways at YP uh, because it is the source of some of our root causes is, is how do you allocate, particularly in a creative industry, how do you allocate your resources? How do you know when those resources are being effective or not effective? Um, and again, I, I did bring some of my linear thinking in. And so to me, I'm like, I'm gonna make a spreadsheet and I'm gonna, it'll be, it'll be a resource planning tool where individuals can manage their workload and estimate how long something's gonna take. And then at the end of the week, reflect back on how long it did take and talk about why and, and sort of figure it out. Well, <laughs> our New York studio director did uh, send me a copy of, um, or suggested that I read it called Creative Inc. Creativity Inc, sorry. And uh, I started reading that and it's the story of Pixar. 
in just the way they talk about the, the system and the creative process of making a film, I started to realize that, wow, there's a lot of parallels to, to what we're doing, creating interior spaces or creating buildings or creating experiences, right, and products. That creative process is a little more subjective. It's, it's not quite as linear and as static as I think I was trying to put it into that spreadsheet. And so um, it's, it's actually, coincidentally, since we've talked, um, one of our teams, you know, went and looked into monday.com and went and, and, uh, and sampled it. And it was great, worked really effectively. They were able to crowdsource real-time data. And I think that's the key in the creative industry is because there's so much change. There's so much creativity and volatility. And no, you know, we do want to spend more time on this than we anticipated, but we're going to spend less time over here. Uh, that was really helpful. And uh, of course, our IT company, our IT uh, says, no, 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 you can't just go and pick a random software and have, you know, 10% of our organization on one thing and 10% on another and have 16 different softwares, <laughs> as happens when people go rogue. So um, we've taken it upon ourselves to evaluate these systems. And, and really fascinating was we asked everyone to submit their planning tools. So how do you plan your, how do you manage your team? How do you plan your resources? How do you allocate them? How do you talk about what needs to get done? How do you meet your deadlines and also make money? So I got a folder of across all our teams, interiors teams, all the other specialty teams submitting these, their planning tools. And that was eye-opening. I mean, from Excel to calendars to OneNote to Evernote, like all these different lists and ways of visualizing the data. Um, it was really fascinating and eye-opening. Um, so where did that land you then? And, and I'm also curious, like that decision from IT, is that more from a compliance and governance, um, you know, standpoint? Or was it just uh, a, a general rule that we want to have everyone on the same page, so to speak? Well, I think that it's important that uh, we, we're not duplicating effort, right? If somebody learns how to use monday.com and somebody learns to use Asana or, you know, some other software, they're all, I mean, I, I piloted 10,000 feet, explored that for a bit um, after someone else, uh, you know, enrolled in it. Well, your data doesn't talk to each other. And how do you train people on the use of that software? If I have a new hire and I'm onboarding them, what software do I train them in? What do I install on in their computers? So all of a sudden you have all these licenses for all these different programs that don't talk to each other and don't integrate. And that's where we want a single source of truth. We want a single database, ideally an ERP type system because you want all your data to talk to each other. As soon as it becomes manual, as soon as you're, you're measuring apples over here and oranges over here, but not putting them together, your data could be telling two different stories and you can't reconcile it. You can't make an informed decision. Um, so, so I'm in full support of, of IT's uh, request. And so, you know, we're creating this, this sort of wish list of here's what we're doing manually. Here's what we're doing sporadically across the organization. How do we come up with a system that can support all our different teams effectively planning at the organizational level, at the team level, because we are very much a team-driven organization. And then also at the individual level, you know, how does, how does a, an individual designer plan their week and be held accountable to, to what they need to produce? So where did that leave you then? Because yeah, 
I, I know that there are a lot of companies that, you know, for various teams that, that actually works for them to have their different departments or their different teams on, on different software. But I, I love that you said, you know, that can't work, right? There needs to be a central, you know, source of truth. And so wh where did that land for you? Because, you know, taking that, that uh, questionnaire and, you know, distributing it to your, to your team members and getting all that data, how do you then, you know, compile all of, you know, those thoughts and feelings and, you know, um, best practices that they've all established based on their own workflow and say, this is where we're going. So, so where, where have you landed then? Yeah, so we're still mid-process. Um, I've created a document that summarizes. So the first uh, sort of summary is, is here are all the questions we need to answer that we need data to answer or to be informed, right? So whether it's, you know, resource allocation, what projects, you know, where do I need to move my talent um, based on expertise, skill, capability? These are all questions that, that any good team leader needs to ask on a daily basis as they reevaluate priorities, as they you know, try to juggle the many balls in the air, right? And so just even writing, even, even going through that exercise of asking ourselves, what are the questions that we want answered? Because it's not about the information. It's not about looking at the information and saying, okay, what insights can I generate? It's about asking the question first. So you're asking the right question, then going to the data and saying, how can this help me make this decision, right? You don't wanna be led by data. You wanna be led by the business and supported by data, um, in my opinion. And so that was a really interesting exercise for me, writing out all the questions that, that, seemed to, that, the, that the team seemed to be struggling with and needing to make regularly. Um, and then my second list was, here's all, the, here's all the data we're collecting ad hoc through all these various tools, you know, Excel spreadsheets and, and calendars. Um, and then finally, here's our design criteria. Here's our wish list. We want a system that checks all the following boxes, whether it's the fields and the inputs that we can, that we can use to the interface. Um, designers are really picky. It needs to be pretty. <laughs> um, our, our IT dared to suggest MS project <laughs> and they all, they all said, absolutely not, because it's not pretty and it's not, uh, it's not a beautiful interface. Right. So, you know, that goes on the design criteria. So that's where we are right now. Um, they are adding to it. Of course, I need to crowdsource it. This is their management, not mine. So I'm facilitating it, but they're going to edit it, add their wish list, and, uh, Hopefully we can select a tool in the coming weeks or months and convert to it and, and give them the tools they need. I love that. Yeah, and it, it seems like you're taking a, a definite inclusive and more holistic approach, you know, to it as well. And, you know, I think what's important and what you've already, you know, outlined for us is that systems are ever changing, right? You need to include your people, you need to include your team and nothing is ever set in stone. And so, I guess, you know, what I want to know is what from a, uh, you know, zooming out a little bit, what does, you know, process improvement look like for your organization? You know, what is the evolution of your systems look like? How are you getting people involved? Um, what does it look like when you are setting up a project? You know, um, who's involved and how are you making those decisions on, you know, who needs to be at, at the table? Um, is it one person or leadership creating those systems and passing them down or you know it, it sounds like you include your people so can you talk more about what that looks like when it actually comes to creating documenting those processes and, and rolling them out yeah yeah 
Um, so historically, YP has not operated that way. Historically, you know, it's 40 years old. Um, the owner operators, you know, they're very much involved in the day-to-day and -day the running of the business. They have their hand in every project. And they've had various partners, leaders, et cetera, but it's been very a um, very run like, like a very small company where you have one managing partner or one managing director making decisions. Um, and when I was hired by the managing director on my first day of work, he took me for lunch and he said, oh, by the way, I'm exiting the company at the end of the year. And so you need to do a complete org redesign um, the owners are, don't want to take on a, a new partner. And so we need to, to figure out how the company is going to be run without me. And he was single-handedly, to be fair, he was, he was, I mean, he had support. He had, you know, some people beneath him, but he was running both studios and in making decisions and executing on them. Right. So that more authoritarian approach. How much time had he given you when he communicated this? Uh, he gave me six months notice. Yeah. Six so months. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It, it, you know what? No big deal. Perspective, it was okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we did, I did my work review and spoke to the founders and we talked about it and we, we decided on, on a more traditional corporate structure with a director group with, with functional, um, accountability, right. Where you rely on functional experts as opposed to one person who has to be an expert in all areas. We also talked a lot about duality at the time. Um, our, our director group has since shrunk, but at the time we had a bit of a, a, a bigger group uh, that ultimately ended up uh, coming into place. And there was this duality of not, I think there was, it was almost the opposite of the pendulum swing of not having a single person make decisions in isolation. And so it was like finance and talent, right? Yes, we have to drive billings, but not at the cost of our people. Um, you know, studio directors in, in Toronto and, and New York, whereas historically there was one, so that both both studios had interests at play, right? Things like that. Um, design versus technical documentation. So this duality of being able to come up with holistic solutions. So um, what were you asking me? Oh yeah, how, how we make changes and how we talk about these, these system improvements. Um, so that was a big culture shift, though, I mean, and I, you can't you can't underestimate that when people are used to being just told this is the way it is, or hey, figure it out. To to then be engaged and being asked to be to own the problem and own part of the solution, that's a huge culture shift. Um, we did a lot of work around that. We did a you know I did a purpose workshop. We talked about culture, um, and it was slow going. We were getting there, and then COVID just accelerated it because all of a sudden we all had to figure out a new way of working. So it wasn't like, hey, you know, I'm asking you, I'm pulling you to, to change a little bit. It was a line in the sand was drawn. And in a company where, I mean, I was, I was suggesting flexible work environments, um, we, we instituted Flex Fridays, the ability to work from home. When I even broached it, I was told no way, no how, not possible. Um, we don't have the technology, we're a collaborative environment. Where do you think you come from? Like, absolutely not. <laughs> of course, yeah. How, how could you work anywhere else from but the office? Hard no, because it's a creative yeah. industry and we want to, we have to collaborate, we have to see each other. And, and now talking to people after, you know, what are we, seven, seven months at home, people are like, yeah, I don't know if we ever have to go back. I mean, you know, I go in once a week deliberately to collaborate or do a charade or whatnot, but, but 
they're operating as, as well or, or better as they used to. Um, but that really forced us to communicate, forced us to engage. Um, and, and recently, in the last month or two, uh, really September and October, we have a renewed interest in being deliberate about engagement. So we've, we've changed up our meetings. I started an employee task force where I have representatives from across the company, I mean, employee experience, to tell us from your perspective, what's the experience like? What do you see as the challenges? And that's been eye-opening, eye-opening. <laughs> um, and then the same with the leadership. You know, we're giving them a platform to, to really own the discussion. Um, so I don't know if that helps answer the question. I, I think we're still in the midst of the journey. Like, again, have me in for another conversation in a year and it'd be interesting to see where we're at because we have a lot of challenges, like any organization. It's, it's less about solving a problem so much as it is evolving to the new business circumstances, right? Yeah. And just so we're clear, I'm definitely going to have you back on. Um, a year <laughs> I keep dropping now. that. I'm like, I want to come back. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> not a, not to have you. <laughs> not a subtle um, as you're talking there, I know we kind of joked about, you know, um, you know, prior to COVID, businesses not being able to fathom how we can possibly, you know, work, you know, in other locations, especially, um, especially in, in the creative industry. And so obviously things have changed. And, you know, from the sounds of things, it sounds like your team adapted pretty quickly because they needed to, right? A lot of us didn't have the choice. And if we were not remote or remote flexible prior to, we had to get in line pretty quickly. But, you know, whether we're, we're together as a team or, um, you know, remote and we're displaced, um, you know, with Ditto, when we are, we're consulting our clients, we, we deploy, you know, you talk about that central, you know, source of truth for, for us and our clients, like that's a sauna, right? And so mm-hmm. one thing we always talk about, especially now more than ever with COVID and everyone being at home is this work about work. Right. So it, it, it's all the, the in-betweens, the, the meetings and, you know, trying to find things. And like you said it, you know, trying to understand where something goes or, you know, what's the policy on that? Or how do I conduct that? Or who, would I, who do I report to? So what I want to know, um, you know, how does that translate um, in, in your organization? And, and how are you working to eliminate this work about work with your teams? Yeah, um, I, I will say that we're pretty strongly structured at the team level that teams really self-govern and self-manage and have their own systems meetings and i think there's an experimentation about it as i talk to team leaders they're saying you know well we were trying this we were meeting daily for a while then we moved to once a week then we moved to three times a week and and they're trying different things as they experiment what works but i can't say enough about our people Uh, our people are are independent, passionate, intelligent, like super, I mean, we're a luxury brand and we attract the best talent and and thank goodness for that because um, they've really pulled us through this 100%. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've been tackling at the team level and I think now we're evolving to try to tackle that work about work at, at more of the organization level for the first time saying, you know, how can we, how can we give you this, this tool, for instance, right? A kind of a project management tool. How can we automate some things? How can we, we support each other in a different way? Because we were operating so independent, like very collaboratively, but very much on that team basis. 
And that's, that's where we're at right now is, is just trying to raise that up to the organization level and, and mature our systems. Are you able to get more specific around those systems? Like what specifically do you have in place right now? Would you say to, um, you know, to manage team, stay organized and aligned as an organization? Um, I mean, we're, we're operating like a really small company, right? We, we live on teams, Microsoft teams, a lot of channels, discussions, files, um, we, we implemented at the start of COVID uh, weekly all hands meeting. And that was more of a state of the union, hey, really crisis communication initially, but we found people really liked that connection that, that I don't think we ever really talked to the whole studio. Part of it was because of just logistical dif difficulties talking across Toronto and New York. You know, we, we did, we tried, but it wasn't as effective. Uh, now with everyone remote, um, regular communications, we've started, um, we really don't have any software systems that are, are super effective, that we're really in the baby infant stages of, um, I mean, we have one accounting project management software that's, it's okay. <laughs> I say that kindly, it's, it's okay. Um, I'm sure other people have more cho choice words about, about it right now, but um, no, we're, 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 um, we're pretty, pretty immature when it comes to that kind of systems in place. It's very much just organic. Okay. And let's talk more about, you know, um, th those responsibilities. I mean, earlier you said that, you know, it, it depends on, you know, who's kind of creating them. Some SOPs come from leadership, some come from the team level, some are more holistic. Would you... Would you find that, you know, on the different teams or the different levels of the organization, that there's one person that really champions those SOPs and those systems for their department or for their team? And again, I, I know you keep saying you're a small team, but, um, you know, is it one person in each of those departments that really is the subject matter expert? Or again, is it more a, a holistic organization mm -hmm. kind of spillover on these? This is how we do things around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really varies by, by area of business. So the supporting side of things like HR, finance, IT, they're very driven by those, those uh, department leaders, right? But when it comes to the crux of operations, um, it's, it's a bit crowdsourced. It's a bit, um, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I will say that we have, um, from a technical standpoint, you know, we have someone leading standards, leading sort of our systems organization and whatnot. Um, and and but when you have a company that's been in business for 40 years, there's an element of, of well, this is just the way it's been done. And um, part of our strategic pillars this year has been institutionalizing knowledge because we have so much to draw on, so much resources, so many, I mean, it's it's incredible the stuff that sits on our server and that sits in our people's brains, but it's it's not, it hasn't been accessible. Um, it hasn't been really leveraged to the extent that it should be. And that's been a really fun journey is, is seeing that, um, oh, that's another software. I will say that, that's exciting. Um, so we are opening up a system. <laughs> so you just gotta get me there. Uh, a system that um, is going to digitize our, our products, our, our, our assets across all areas so that it becomes uh, searchable and accessible, right? So if, if I'm designing a room and I need um, a lamp. 
for instance, a slide table, I can search in this system. And as I understand it, a whole bunch of options will come up, including those uh, YP collections will be favorited and at the top of the list so that if I want to spec one of our own collections, which is obviously ideal, um, it's readily available as opposed to having to rack my own brain going, oh, I wonder if we've made one of those and having to manually, you know, message someone saying, hey, has anybody, does anybody know about this? Um, so, so that's, I mean, that's been a real focus this year, just, just this year starting um, to digitize all that stuff. Okay. Amazing. Um, yeah, I'd love to recap that then a year from now to see how far you've come, right? Yeah, and, and talk more about the beginning that. of the journey. So some of these questions, it's like, I have, I have aspirations and let's sure. see if we get there. Okay. Let, let, let me ask you this then. I mean, you, you've worked with a lot of organizations, you know, um, you're, you're making a lot of decisions I, I, in your current role. You know, what would you say is one thing that, um, you know, owners of organizations, members of leadership, you know, really need to hear when it comes down to either process documentation or improvement. What do you think, you know, that they're not considering that you hear over and over again that they're missing? What, what, what is that one key thing that you think we all need to be aware of? Stakeholder engagement and stakeholder management. 100% solid. So many people will draft policies, will create systems, will like because you're so task oriented and you're focused on your objectives that you want to you want to keep up that pace that deep work and you want to feel that sense of accomplishment that you you know I can draft out 16 HR policies you know in a day and and I feel really accomplished and I feel great and then I you know it's something I can check off on the list but if I draft a policy around overtime meals for instance or whatever that's a bit finance but and it and it has an unintended impact on the teams and on the business, right? You know, I institute flexible Fridays, that's all well and good. But what I did here was as I socialized it, so I socialized it before we before we implemented it a bit, the, the feedback was, well, a lot of our client deadlines are on Fridays, like Friday at 4 p.m. And so that's problematic. And I said, okay, that's a fair feedback. What do you wanna do about that? And they said, well, we should set internal deadlines for, for, for Thursdays. Okay, great. Now, I know people still have to work on Fridays sometimes, but 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 I gave them that trade-off. I said, you know, is this really going to screw you as team leaders if I tell employees that we can we can have flexible Fridays? Um, and so when people are thinking about system improvements or policies or anything, if you do it in a vacuum and you don't beta test it, you don't socialize it, and you don't sell it to your stakeholders. Your, your change management is gone. They're going to either reject it or not hear it at all because you can write anything down, but if nobody listens and nobody follows it, it's a waste. It's not worth the paper it's written on, right? So and that, that's my passionate answer is stakeholder management, stakeholder engagement. So it's pretty safe to say then in, that in your experience and what you've seen, a, a lot of, um, you know, these system improvement, you know, projects or SOPs in general, are, are they more siloed then and we're, we're not including or getting the feedback from, from our people? In my experience, particularly in consulting, um, when I request and I say like, oh, well, you know, I want to talk to a couple of frontline people, the manager's kind of taking it back. Like, well, why? Because well, they're going to have a different perspective. And 
you know, you can, you can say that you know best because you're the manager, but, but there's a whole different story that you have to take into account. And even if the, even if I'm certain that your recommendation is correct, the simple act, sometimes it's not about actually, sometimes I can go to a meeting and, and I could not take notes. Just the fact that I'm asking them their opinion matters. It matters to people. And even if I know exactly what they're going to say, if I don't ask them, that's disrespectful. And, and they're, they're going to be reticent to change. They're not going to embrace it. They're going to feel like you're doing this to me instead of with me. Um, and so it's worth, it's worth the extra time. It's worth that effort to engage. And people want to feel involved and like they're a part of it as well right you, you really get that buy-in and, and get their passion and get their their full you know commitment behind it when you include them in that process as well so you i love that sorry you said in my bio about the humanity of business and and this is the frustration is that you can't look at a process or a system and think it exists in isolation it's simply words on a paper right it's simply a software it's it's something that exists but it only exists to the extent that it's interacted with right and so if that person who's interacting with it isn't taken into, into account, what are you doing? Like the system's not, not the end goal. I think we just found the snippet that we're going to use as the trailer for this episode. Uh, yeah, you definitely hit the nail on the head. Um, just as we're getting close to the end here, I would love, love, love to keep talking. But I, I really want to know, I ask everyone, what does your tech stack look like for, for yourself personally? Like how are you getting through your day? Is it a mix of digital and analog? Um, what does that spread look like for you? What, how do I manage my own information? Um, it is a mix yeah. of digital and, uh, and analog. I have whiteboards. Um, very, very early on in my career, um, I was getting a bit overwhelmed at work and my boss at the time literally stopped me and he said, Jessica, take the credit card, the corporate credit card, walk up the street. I was on Young Street, walk up the street to Staples and buy a whiteboard. <laughs> And then I came back with my whiteboard and my marker and I sat in his office and he goes, okay, what are your priorities? What are you working on? What, you know, what are your clients? And we made all these lists and it blew my mind. <laughs> and so to this day, um, just off camera, I have my whiteboard, a calendar and a whiteboard with just things that I can't lose track of. Um, and then I have my notebooks. I have a series of the dotted notebooks, like the dotted journal notebooks every day i mean and even my kids come in and they're like you screwed all that because i will write pages and pages and i have you know the old ones filed away that i and I, I still pull them out and think oh yeah that happened last october let me find that note um and i've fallen in love with cortana have, have you had cortana yet um show up on your outlook it's a new relatively new outlook thing that gives me sends me an email at 8 30 every morning but it pulls actions from my email. So it'll say, yesterday you said, I'll get that to you by the end of the week. You know, yesterday you wrote, or Tuesday, the person, this so-and-so said, I'll get this to you on Thursday. <laughs> and so um, it really helps me remind myself of those little sort of loose ends that are out there. Uh, so I've fallen in love with that AI aspect. It's a bit creepy, but it's, it's so practical and so helpful that I'm okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, we use G Suite, so I'm not sure. It, like, it, is that an add-on that we, we could we could add on to G Suite, or is it specifically for Outlook? I'm on G Suite for my consulting, and I've never seen okay. anything like it. Um, a G Suite doesn't okay. prompt you; it'll say follow up. You know, 
yeah. for a couple of days, but it's not nearly as intelligent as uh, okay. as Cortana. And, and it, they send you the, here's how much time you've focused, here's who's, who you've collaborated with this week. But those daily emails have been a game changer for me. I really enjoy it. I don't know if I'd like that because I make a lot of promises through email. <laughs> <There> you, <go. laughs> you can say oh, remind right. me later and then it'll show up at your next one. Perfect. Awesome. So where, where can people connect with you, Jessica? Where are you spending time? Where can they, you know, find out more about you uh, currently? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, mostly, uh, from a professional standpoint. And, um, you know, I, I also let, because of that, my passion for bringing humanity and authenticity, uh, Instagram is where I share my personal life with, with the public, right? Um, not much, I'll be honest. It's nothing exciting. And it's definitely not curated. I see people with their, you know, and I'm like, here's my kid being silly and <laughs> here's a selfie at the park. But um, I think it's important, you know, I have a lot of my colleagues on Instagram and, and former colleagues. And I think it's just important to connect on a, on a human level too. So I'm always accepting people there too. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today, Jessica. I had a great, great time. So thank you so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you. If you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and follow on your preferred channel. If you know of a friend or colleague that would benefit from hearing this conversation, please share it with them so that we can reach more listeners just like you. As always, all the links from today's talk will be in the show notes. And remember, if it isn't documented, it didn't happen. We'll see you next time.